It's April 7th. Happy Good Friday. And uh, we're underway. This hour of Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg, and we even roped Wes Gilbertson into working on a holiday Friday. I don't know. I don't know how we convinced him to do that, and yet here he is. You're here in the flesh. I was going to say, what's it take to get a day off around this place? Oh. You know, if I, if I had... If I had a good three or four hour uh, pulpit to stand on, we could we could really get into that. I'm just kidding. It's important. I think that we're here. Yeah. It's between big games, and honestly, um, if when, we weren't here, we'd be talking about sports on a patio somewhere, wouldn't we? Exactly. And uh, or we'd be talking about trees falling at the Masters. Or um, I when when Art, our boss, our fearless leader said, how do you want to handle it? I said, we might as well work on Friday because I think the games are going to be meaningful. They're going to be in a playoff race. And then after what happened on Tuesday, I was like, geez, what are we going to be talking about? And they go into Winnipeg on Wednesday and they give us uh, an important Friday here. So I'm glad we're here and we got a huge weekend ahead in this Western Conference playoff race. We're now seven of eight teams are clinched. Congratulations to the Seattle Kraken. That, that is impressive. Remember the text that we're streaming in about well, could the Flames still catch Seattle? Uh, when you looked at their schedule and the fewer games they played, it felt like a no then, and Seattle proved that that was a no. So hats off to the Kraken. Full marks. That's impressive stuff, what they were able to do. And now there's just one, and there are three teams that are focused on that final playoff spot. It's the Flames, it's the Predators, and it's the Jets, and all three of those teams are in action in two games on Saturday night. So the Flames are in Vancouver Saturday at 8 o'clock. Then Winnipeg hosts Nashville that same night, but three hours prior, they could go in at 5 o'clock Calgary time. And honestly, this playoff race could look exactly the same or look very different by the time we get to the first hour of Flames Talk on Monday, and I have no idea what to expect in either of those games. I don't know what to expect when the Flames are in Vancouver. I don't know what we're going to get from Calgary, and I sure as hell don't know what I'm going to get from the Winnipeg Jets in another pretty close to must-win situation for them on Saturday against the Predators. So, yeah, I if you were to say, Pat, what's your gut say? I'm going to say that um, I'm hungry because I have no idea what actually is going to happen come Monday when we're talking here once again. You know what hit me actually while we were sitting at practice today? And and not that we didn't know it was a possibility, but I'm going to share this because it really puts in perspective for me how much fun this next five or six or seven days could be. If the Nashville Predators win tomorrow night in Winnipeg, not far-fetched. If that is followed by a Flames victory in Vancouver, yep. we'd be talking tomorrow night at 11 o'clock about a Flames team in a playoff spot. Yep. And that, I, I share that because I think that sums up, obviously, how close they've, they've come. And, and 
and how within grasp this goal that seemed like such a pipe dream a month ago is again for these Calgary Flames. Now, who knows what happens as the Flames, you're hoping for anything but overtime in Winnipeg yes. tomorrow, obviously. But but that's potential string of results, any sort of Predators victory, a Flames victory, and you're in a spot. Yeah. And then you have to protect it, but you're right there. And, and for me, it just, I'm sure everyone who is at the Saddle Dome today is sick of hearing me say this already, but this is going to be a ton of fun. Like these last three games, they really mean something. Well, and every day on the calendar means something to all three of the teams. Here's here's the counterpoint. If Calgary loses in Vancouver and Nashville beats Winnipeg in regulation, the Predators are in a playoff spot. Right? Like that that is the part that blows my mind most. That and this Nashville team could be holding down eighth spot come Saturday night. And if Calgary loses in Vancouver and Winnipeg wins, they're suddenly Pretty close to having a stranglehold on the thing. Yeah. If 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 Winnipeg beats the Preds and the Flames don't take care of business in Vancouver, then this thing's basically done. Yeah. And and that can all happen in the span of one day and the span of six hours from five o'clock till eleven o'clock on Saturday night. And isn't that awesome? Like we're sitting here it's so much better than the alternative. Oh my goodness. We're sitting here at four o'clock on Friday and thirty-one hours from now. Any of three teams could be in the final wild card in yeah. the Western Conference. And you don't have to squint to see any of it. No, it's awesome. It um, really is. Well, and, and you and I have covered this team for long enough. It's funny. I was um, like a couple of, about a week ago, it was the anniversary. April 1st, I believe, was the anniversary of Jay Bomeister being dealt. So I, I have this archive of audio for this date in Flames history and, and for our Flames time machine in the first intermission of Flames games. So I was rolling the audio of Jay Bomeister's scrum the day that he was traded. And there was Wes Gilbertson, uh, a young, intrepid Wes Gilbertson, asking a question in his typical, very inquisitive way. And, and getting a good answer out of Jay. And I was like, damn, that was a decade ago. Yeah. And so you've been on this beat long enough. I've been on this beat long enough that we've gone through the, 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 the death marches. We've gone through the meaningless marches. We've got like, this is, even if they don't make it, and even though if they don't make it, it will be an unmitigated disaster of a season. It's still way better than the final six or seven games having no meaning. It's still way better than us talking about, okay, um, well, Emilio Pedersen, what's he going to bring? No knock on, uh, this is the first name that came to mind, no knock on anybody on the Wranglers, but that isn't as exciting as, oh my goodness, what does this game mean? Oh my goodness, could the Flames still be in a playoff spot when the weekend is, that's way more fun, and I would take that. Maybe some fans wouldn't, but I would take that over the alternative all day, every day. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I put this question to Jacob Markstrom today in the locker room. I, I asked him about embracing the opportunity, and and I was totally fascinated by his response because he essentially said, and, and I'm paraphrasing because he didn't put it exactly this way, but he essentially said with the season we've had, and the way we've played and the way I've played, we still have a shot at this thing. And, and what he was saying is, we should be out of this thing. But yet, with three games to go, we're right there. Just uh, quickly doing a little uh, on-the-fly surgery here. 
Um, you got that? So, yeah, so I can just uh, quickly pull it for you. So as opposed to you having to paraphrase Let's it, hear I it. can just uh, just got to wait for it to pop You're in. Good. There You're it is, good at right this, there. hey? Once in a while, I can Jeez. hold my own. This this is exactly that clip. Yeah, I mean, uh, with, with the year we had, uh, it sure doesn't feel like that. We, you know, when you're still in it, even you know, feel like we haven't played play good i haven't been good and you know three games left and it's uh you know we're tied but with one they got one more game to play but you know we're still tied for the uh or just under uh winnipeg same points uh so to be in this situation we we got to try to take advantage of it with the, with the year we had basically said i can't believe we're here is essentially yeah. if you're trying to paraphrase it, it i i mean <laughs> not to make this all about me but it's pretty good paraphrasing wasn't it i thought you paraphrased it quite well yeah. good question good paraphrasing and it's what makes the next three games so fascinating for me it is I, I had a separate conversation with Blake Coleman and he said our mindset and this won't come as a surprise to anyone our mindset is we have to win all three yeah. we can't leave this more to chance than it already is we can't be looking for more help than we already are and so I'm fascinated to see what we get out of a Calgary Flames team that has played really strong stretches and prolonged stretches yep. of good hockey. They've won five of their past six. I think they're 10, four and two going back to sort of around this time in March. And yep. so they've kept themselves as, as much as for months, they put themselves in a position to make this a really hard climb. They've kept themselves in this fight. And we talked about it yesterday, give them credit, but now let's see if they can take advantage of it. If they can, finish it off because yeah there's reasons to not have a whole lot of faith in them based on a 79 game sample but yep. if we were listening to jets talk or predators talk there's a whole lot of reasons to not be optimistic for them as well those are original names i i, I think they should go with those yeah those are copyright by the way if you're listening original names um Text line's open, 960-960. If you're listening live on a holiday Friday, feel free to chime in. I'm curious as to how Flames fans are feeling, how you, the Flames fans, feeling going into a huge weekend when it comes to this Western Conference playoff race. And I honestly don't know what we're going to get from the Flames against Vancouver. That's You throw that record out and five of their last six games and you know, how much difficulty they had against the Canucks a week ago, how much difficulty they had um, in the home game against Anaheim where they also had to come from behind, the difficulty they just had against Chicago on Tuesday, and then also sprinkled in there is a really impressive game against the LA Kings where they looked like a team that could absolutely give anybody fits in the playoffs, and the same type of effort earlier this week in Winnipeg where they were the desperate team that played really well and they made this Jets team with a, an opportunity to seal themselves in a playoff spot by all intents and purposes. They made the Jets look very ordinary. So I don't know what to expect from Calgary against the Vancouver Canucks. I also don't know what the Jets are going to bring against the Predators because that's been Winnipeg's MO here since about mid-January. And there's really only two things I'm confident in. I'm quite confident in what we're going to see from Nashville because the Preds, win or lose, haven't really wavered from the effort, the work ethic, all because they don't have a choice. They don't have players. They don't have NHL players on that roster, or they have very few of them. And, and that sounds what derogatory. They're doing is unbelievable, right? What now. they just did against Carolina on Thursday night deserves a tip of the hat as well. We just gave the tip of the hat to Seattle. 
the the Predators and that roster, what they're doing and whether they make it or not, might be the most impressive feat of all. Like the the job John Hines and some of the the few NHL veterans that remain on that team are doing right now. Really impressive stuff. They just blanked the Hurricanes and Carolina. And and I know Carolina is is at the point where they're clinched and and they're into playoff mode. But still, the Preds shut them out on home ice. I I give UC Saros, who's the, the one guy, the the one star player on that team who's still healthy or not traded, and he has earned his money over the last little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And you ask what we might see out of the Flames tomorrow in Vancouver, and and based on the past six months, it's a very fair question. I'm going to read you the stats that would make me most optimistic as a Flames fan. Jacob Markstrom, since signing in Calgary from Vancouver, is 10-3-1 against his former team with a 249 goals against average and a 915 save percentage. He gets up for these games against the Canucks. He does. He is playing more often than not really strong hockey down the stretch for the Flames. There's been some speed bumps like there's been for every guy on the roster. But if the Flames are going to be successful tomorrow night in Vancouver, I think there's two things that stick out for me. They need another great game out of Jacob Markstrom. And and it sounds so cliche, but they need to get off to a really good start. The way you make non-playoff teams, the way you zap their give-a-hoot meter is make it hard early. Like they did in Anaheim after the 8-2 loss. And Nick like, Ritchie scores to make it one nothing. Right. Make them already. Like, yeah, you know what? We, we, Forget it. Get like, out of here. Like they did against San Jose at home. Yep. Like they didn't do against Chicago. Against Chicago. Yeah. If you let those teams that are playing for jobs and playing for pride stick around, it can be a tough night. And Vancouver is a rival, obviously, of the Flames. These guys are going to be... I, I could probably write Rick Tockett's pregame speech. It's going to be all about the opportunity to spoil it for a rival franchise. Yeah, stick it to a rival. Stick it to the former Canucks. Like, go out there. Yeah. And and I think that they felt they should have won that game a week ago Absolutely. in Vancouver. That that that's the part that concerns me the most is that I do think we're going to be talking about a motivated Canucks team, very Absolutely. motivated. Yeah, it's a tough game tomorrow night. Yep. But the team that should prevail in these tough games is the team that truly has something left to play for. Exactly. And so, if you're a playoff team, show it. Show it tomorrow night in Vancouver. You have to. You have to show it Monday against Nashville, and you have to show it Wednesday against San Jose. And then we're in bizarro land because I mentioned this to my colleague Danny Austin walking into the Saddle Dome today. Could we be covering a practice on Thursday not knowing if the team plays again? I wonder. Like They'd have to give them the day off on Thursday. What about Friday, though? Well, on Friday, maybe, because Nashville plays on the Friday. Right. Winnipeg plays the Thursday, and I've wondered this for quite some time. If the Flames win out and the Jets don't win their next three, that game could be for all the marbles on a Winnipeg side of things. They might be in a spot where they absolutely need to win that game against the Avalanche, and if they don't, they're not going to the playoffs, and the Flames or Preds are. And then 
the the real wacko land would be if that game on Thursday means something and the Jets lose it, but it still mean but the Preds win on the Thursday, so the Friday means something. Yeah, it could absolutely come right down to the final day of the schedule. Unreal. But and and I keep going back to this, and I don't know who I'm talking to, fans, players, whoever, embrace this. Yeah. It's gonna be fun. It could be heartbreaking. It could be stressful. It could be whatever word you want to use, but Blake Coleman put it to me like this today, and I think it's a great way to put it. You want to be playing meaningful games in April? Yep. Here we are. Playing meaningful games in April. That was a very similar message. I listened to everything out of Winnipeg on on Friday after their practice. Very similar messaging. They're absolutely talking about, yeah, if you would have told us after last year that we're playing meaningful games in April, we would have taken it all day long after how they were playing meaningless games at this time last year because of how disappointing last year was. Now, had you told them that in January that these games were going to mean as much as they did, they probably wouldn't have taken that, but you can selectively take truth out of conversations. It's what we do in this day and age. And every guy on the Flames roster would tell you, this isn't ideal. No. You know, I think we, Jacob Markstrom, what we just heard from him, right. was the perfect example We'd of that. love to be home and cooled, clinched, fighting for home ice advantage, maybe resting our bodies a little bit, knowing we had a playoff race coming, but this is the next best thing. You've got a chance in a season that has gone wrong more ways than it's gone right yep. to still be in that Elite Eight in the Western Conference. And as we always hear from there, who knows? But unless you get in, it doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, a few texts at 96960. Uh, this from Dale from New Brunswick. I expect Calgary to come out strong in their next three games. Against Vancouver, they'll win 3-1. Markstrom's playing solid right now, and he gets up for playing against his old team. Go, Flames, go. You know, the Canucks game looms, and then Monday's Nashville and if Nashville if Nashville beats Winnipeg, whatever happens at the Flames in Vancouver, the Preds are going to be smelling blood and feeling like they've got an opportunity to win out and get in. And, and that's the type of team you'll be facing Monday at the Dome, which is fascinating. And I'm really excited to see what that game... I wasn't sure because I kept looking at the Preds and looking at their schedule, the hardest schedule down the stretch based on opposition. And then they've got uh, Darren Haynes, Wes Gilbertson, and Eric Francis as their third line. Like, you're like, whew, that's a rough go. And yet here they are. Haynes, he's a defenseman, by the way. That makes it even worse. (laughs) (laughs) They're that that shorthanded. And yet they are right there. And I don't, do we even know if they're going to be getting any of their guys back? Like, does Forsberg or Yossi or Duchesne come back? At any point, or is this them? I, I'm not totally sure, but I mean, look at who they've beat. Last night, they beat Carolina. They what, went into Boston they went and into blanked them. Essentially blanked yeah. them. They just beat Vegas in overtime. Like, all these teams that if you were the Flames or Jets that you look at and say, okay, we can count on the Bruins. They've lost, what, 12 games in regulation this season? No, not not against Nashville. Good for them. I wonder... If you're Vegas or Edmonton or one of the teams fighting for top spot, the number one seed in the West, Colorado, I, it's Vegas is to lose at this point. Um, I wonder what they're like, who do they want to play? Do they want to play the scuffling Jets? 
Do they want to play the Predators with a bunch of American leaguers? Do they want to play an underachieving Flames team that everybody thought was going to be better and is potentially going to be the only hot team getting... We'll see on the Nashville front. But the Flames, I guess the Preds and the Flames have the chance to be that team that gets hot going in. We'll see what Winnipeg does. I wonder. You know, Vegas hasn't done very well against the Flames, all things considered, this year. Um, they got rolled up in that building. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 curious. I I don't know what if you I I guess if you're Vegas, it doesn't really matter. You'll play who you play. But yeah, curious as to what these top seeds are thinking in terms of how it's all playing out as well. You know the the playoff race is a lot of fun in in a few different spots. Obviously, the wild card race, both east and west, is shaping up to be right down to the wire, which is awesome. But like, look at what's happening with the top three in the central I right know. now. They're separated by two points. Yeah. Colorado, Dallas, 100, Minnesota, 98. And with all due respect to the Seattle Kraken and what they've done, everyone wants to be top in the central and not be in whatever that next series looks yeah. like. Yeah, I, if I'm if I'm Colorado, Dal- Dallas, or Minnesota, I'd rather play Seattle than one of the other two teams. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Seattle. Of course, they'll... They'll go to the Stanley Cup final now just because uh, we've slagged them off. It'll be uh, Nashville, Seattle in the Western Conference final. We uh, can write it in stone. Might as well. There, I do. And that is your Flames Talk best bet. Ha! No, it is not. We have no games on Friday, so I got to look ahead and project to wrap things up this week. Um, you know, I, I do give Seattle credit because they've done the one thing that Winnipeg hasn't, and that is taking care of business. Seattle looked more vulnerable than they were just because of the games played situation, but they had an opportunity to punch their own ticket and go in the front door. And there's, there's no reversing into the playoffs for Seattle. They pounded Arizona. They scored five unanswered on Vancouver and they beat up Arizona again because they looked at and said, Hey, our season's on the line. We're hungry. Let's go in. I give them a lot of credit. They're not backing into the playoffs. The Jets have an opportunity to not reverse into the playoffs, but they've got to figure out how to use that clutch again and get out of reverse. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, a few other texts, 960, 960. Uh, here's uh, for somebody. Oh, no, you don't even get to vote on this one. Um, you'd have to ask Wilsey on this one. Uh, if the Preds make the playoffs, does John Hines win the Jack Adams? How does Jim Montgomery not win the Jack Adams? Yeah, I think he might have to this year. Year one, what Boston's done, I think he's kind of your front runner. Now, it's a great question because you got to think about it, but I I think it's probably Jim Montgomery's to lose. Yep. Now, if if Nashville runs off four more here and gets in, he might be in the mix. He'd have to be. Yep. Uh this reads uh I'm going to hate myself for being reeled back in again and risk having my heart broken as soon as tomorrow night, but I'm all in for this nerve-wracking ride. Kadri better not be a liability again. If so, we should really examine ways of trading him this summer. Let's see what Nazem's got in his final three games. All in. Fire it up. Three games to go. Fill your beer fridge. Tell your better half you need maybe to add four or five inches to the TV. And maybe take Thursday off just because I think that puck's going to drop at about 8.50 on uh, on Thursday night. It's a TNT game, right? So that, oh, that'll be... So it's, really? an eight, it's an eight. I think it's a TNT. So I 
think that we're talking about like an 818 first uh first pitch. No, uh 818 puck drop. I think. I don't know that for sure. I'm hoping I'm wrong on that. Yeah, part. not ideal. No, you know, and and TNT comes into the league and they start pushing start times back. Yeah, it is a national TNT game, so you know it's going to be late. Yeah. That's annoying. Um couple other things to focus on. You know, you mentioned Jacob Markstrom and we played that clip I don't know how it manifests itself on the ice in his next. Uh, he's he's starting the next two, no questions asked. And if the third one on Wednesday against San Jose means something, he's starting that one too. So I don't know how it'll manifest itself on the ice, but boy, does he look just, I'm trying to think of the right word, like defiantly focused or just like it. He's like, there, there, there's a, an anger or a fire there. Like he's, he's surly. He is all business. That's probably the best way I'd put it. Yeah. He is all business and no time for pleasantries or anything like that. And I I respect it, and I'm curious to see how it plays itself out on the ice. I got a word for you. He, to me, is hell-bent right now. Oh, I like that one. He is hell-bent on proving that no matter what has happened so far this season, he can be the guy who carries this team into the playoffs. He's hell-bent on not spending the summer wondering if he was better if things could have been different for this Flames team. And quite frankly, he is right now, to me, the biggest reason for optimism. There, There's a lot of them. There's, There's been a lot of guys who've played good hockey. There's been impressive stretches from the team but you know if you're looking at it one guy hey who's the most important dude on the roster there's no debate it's yep. Jacob Markstrom yep they need him to be the guy he was Wednesday against Winnipeg in his next however many starts and they need the guy that was not helped by his teammates but the guy that was on the ice Tuesday versus Chicago that guy needs to just stay in the room yeah, that, that's that that guy has no more uh, no more runway to be seen from or heard from between now and the end of the season, whenever that might be playoffs or no playoffs. Yeah, because he didn't have to steal it on Wednesday, but he was their best player. He gave him number one quality goaltending. Yeah, he put himself in the running to be one of the three stars. You came out of there saying that's a damn good goaltender. That's what you yeah. came. And, and you're right. He didn't need to steal it. And. He, but he outplayed the other guy, yep. who is also a perennial Vesna Trophy guy. He was the best goaltender on the ice, and that's what you're looking for from him on a regular basis. Be the best guy and get the result. And if if Wednesday is what we... Even if he allows three goals and looks like that's fine. It's not the number of goals. It's more about the what you're seeing from him, and that's what they need from him from here until the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Because he might he might need to steal one at some point. And that's what he couldn't do on Tuesday. I, I don't think that he was the fault for that loss, but he, he didn't yeah. wasn't able to steal it. He wasn't able to give him that ten beller when they really needed it. Hundred percent. If you go fast forward twenty four hours, for example, that save he makes with two minutes left on Nick Ehlers that would have turned that game into the ultimate nails on the chalkboard yeah. ride. That's what they need from Jacob Marstrom. Or even the 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 breakaway. Um, Schmidt had a breakaway. Was that the one where he stacked his pads? Didn't Schmidt almost he, miss, he though? He did, yeah. but it's 
because Markstrom kind of pushed him to the side. And True. Nate Schmidt is is not the world's best finisher. So Jacob was able to kind of move uh, him to the are side. We, are we comfortable making that proclamation? I am, yes. Okay. That's Good. fair. He's an NHLer. Don't get me wrong, but... If nope. I had, if I had the choice as to who I'd wanted to break away to make a game two nothing, I, I don't know if it would be Nate Schmidt right at number one. It's, you know what? He's kind of a fourteenth round of the shootout guy. Awesome guy, one of the best quotes in the NHL. I'll, I'll give him that. Beyond that, though, I, I don't know if he would be my first shootout guy. That's you all. know what? Strong but fair. Remember when Kevin Fiala gave us a shootout attempt in the middle of a hockey game? Yes looked behind him, and then he, like, slowed himself down and did the shoot. I was like, I've never seen that before. You, you know you know what really puts in perspective just what a roller coaster ride this has been? Doesn't that feel like it was two months it ago? It sure does. It was um, only 10 days ago. Unbelievable. Uh, Pat and Wes with you on a good Friday. We're uh, coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time for a good Friday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable. Or I guess in this case, I'm going to say it's a good, good Friday edition. Because they're always good. And it's Good Friday. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and now to bring the mid to good, here's uh, Derek Wills, the voice of the Calgary Flames, with a lot of pressure on his shoulders uh, to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Okay, gents, Flames Canucks on Saturday. It's game 80 of the regular season for the Flames. It's a must win. It's the biggest game of the season. Calgary cannot afford anything but two points against the Canucks. So knowing the situation, the opponent, all of what goes into Saturday night, what concerns you most about that game against the Canucks uh, from a Flames perspective? A couple of things for me. Number one, the Canucks have been playing some pretty good hockey since the start of March. I believe they are 11-5-2 since the start of March, which, boy, if they had uh, that point percentage all season long, uh, they'd be pretty comfortably in a playoff spot right now. You know, they, they're healthier than they were earlier this season. They've got Thatcher Demko back in between the pipes, and they've got a skilled group of forwards. I didn't like their defense core at the start of the season. I still don't, uh, as talented as Quinn Hughes is, but not a lot of good defenders back there, and they're a little bit banged up on the blue line as well. But they've got a, a lot of talent up front. And the other thing, more from a Flames perspective, guys, when I look at their last five games, 2-1 uh, victory over the Kings, a playoff team, a 5-4 victory over the Canucks in a game the Flames found a way to win, which ultimately is what matters, especially at this time of the season. But I wouldn't say they really played to their quote-unquote identity in that game. Uh, a 5-4 victory over the Ducks. The same can be said about that game. That 4-3 loss to the Blackhawks. And then a 3-1 win versus a playoff team in the Jets. So 
two really good games against two playoff teams in the Kings and the Jets, sandwiching three so-so games against non-playoff teams. And as we've heard from coaches and players, guys, these non-playoff teams, especially the teams closer to the bottom of the standings who are probably more interested in getting as many ping-pong balls as they can so they can get their hands on Connor Bedard than they are to, to playing competitive hockey, not the coaches and the players, but the managers who have put those teams together and on the ice, they're playing this loosey-goosey style of hockey that's pretty unstructured and uh, pretty high risk, which I think presents some challenges for a team like the Flames that tries to play structured hockey and would ideally like to beat you 2-1 or 3-2. And we haven't seen a lot of those types of games against non-playoff teams, but we've seen those types of games against playoff teams. So the fact that they've got uh, three non-playoff teams between now and the end of the regular season uh, is uh, a little bit concerning for me. The biggest thing I think that would concern me from a Flames perspective, and this certainly dovetails with what Derek just said, is exactly what we saw Tuesday against the Blackhawks. We, we've we talked so much about the magnitude of Saturday's game. Everyone knows that if they're going to continue this climb, it has to be two points in Vancouver. And yet... It was the same narrative going into Tuesday, and we saw a Flames team that sort of no-showed under those circumstances. And so, yeah, it's been a recurring theme against subpar teams or non-playoff teams, but it's also just been a sort of recurring unpredictability. And, and that, to me, would be the biggest concern. Tuesday was one of those games that you, quote-unquote, couldn't not get up for, but they didn't get up for it. And so heading into the latest biggest game of the season, I think that would top my list of concerns. I think the biggest thing for me is I I really, I really do think that we're going to be talking about a motivated Canucks team and, and a Canucks team that kind of looks at this as their biggest game of the season. And they almost beat the Flames a week ago. And the Flames needed a miracle, not a miracle, but the Flames needed a, a dramatic end to that game. Um, so not only do I think the Canucks are going to be of that mindset, but I also, I saw my Twitter mentions after Friday's overtime <laughs> win. I saw, like, Canucks fans were mad at me. I'm like, Guy, guys, friends, I, I didn't. It was all your fault. I was just tweeting the result, man, and, and where things stand. I, I didn't have anything to do with uh, the actual result itself. But Canucks fans are like, yeah, yeah, you should be happy they got gifted a power play. And the I, I, I didn't get, get gifted a power play. I can tell you, I'm, I'm watching it from 2,000 kilometers away, 900 kilometers away. Um, anyway, my point is that they were really upset with that penalty call. They were really upset with how that penalty was applied. They were upset that it led to the game tying goal. They were not happy in the locker room afterwards. They felt like a big win was taken from them, and they it it. it feels like they want to get some revenge. And so that worries me a little bit. A team like the Flames, who is playing tight, I don't, I don't want to say playing tight, but knows how important the game is. And I think it's almost human nature to have that nervous energy in a game like that, knowing where they're going to be. And then you've got a Vancouver team who doesn't have that nervous energy, but is motivated to play you. That, that worries me a little bit. In fact, 
I'm of all the three remaining games left. It's the Vancouver game that concerns me most from a Flames perspective because the Nashville game is going to be a huge Nashville. Derek, you called Nashville a non-playoff team by Monday. Nashville might be a playoff team with the way things are going right now. So like that game, I think the Flames will be up for that. That to me feels like the Winnipeg game again. I think Calgary will be fine against the Preds. I'm most concerned about the Vancouver game and how that all shapes up. I've got to give a lot of credit to the Predators guys, and I'm not the only one that felt this way. Uh, listening to uh, 32 Thoughts earlier today, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick touched on it as well. I think most people thought the Predators were dead, certainly after the NHL's trade deadline when they started selling off players. And you looked at their schedule down the stretch, the toughest schedule in the league. You look at their injuries. They've been without Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. I, I don't know how they keep winning, but they keep winning and they keep beating good teams. So uh, I'll raise my hand and admit that I was wrong, at least to this point, about the Predators. They're still very much in the mix for the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. But call me crazy, Pat. First of all, I don't quite understand You're why Canucks fans man. were so upset. Well, I asked you not to call me the crazy, oh, but uh, fair enough. Uh, I might be. Uh, <laughs> but call me crazy. Uh, I'm not sure why Canucks fans were so upset with a quote-unquote a big game. Uh, I mean, if you're not going to make the playoffs, I'm not saying you should cheer for your team to lose, but ultimately, does it really matter? Might impact your draft position negatively. So uh, I give it to Canucks fans who are still that uh, emotionally engaged with what's going on this season, but... I could also understand the other side of it, wanting to get a little bit better draft pick. But if the Canucks are upset about what happened at Rogers Arena last Friday and are fired up for tomorrow night's game, I think that could be a good thing for the Flames. Because I think one of the Flames' issues against these non-playoff teams is that these teams aren't fired up and aren't emotionally engaged. We looked for that from the Flames against the Jets on Wednesday. And thanks in large part to Pierre-Luc Dubois trying to pick a fight with everybody on the team, I think that that really got the entire Flames team emotionally invested in that hockey game. I think they're way better when they're that type of team and mixing things up. And, and it was everybody from the goaltender out that seemed to be in uh, some kind of uh, argument or pushing and shoving match or whatever with Pierre-Luc Dubois and some other members of the Jets. And I would say one of the things that hampered the Jets in that game were not enough guys kind of jumped on board with Dubois, but it was like all the Flames kind of got into that game and, and they were a better team and won it because of that. So if the Canucks uh, are hot under the collar about what happened last Friday and, and they want to mix it up a little bit, I think that could be a good thing for the Flames on Saturday night. Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek, Wes, Pat on this Friday. And I want to ask a little bit about Andrew Mangiapone. Mangiapone. Um he has points in four of his last five at two points Wednesday in Winnipeg, scored the huge game-tying goal in the second period. We've been talking about him all year, and we know that his numbers are down. But are we seeing the best Andrew Mangiapane that we've seen all year right now? Are we seeing a guy that looks a little bit more like the guy that the Flames expect and, and need uh, from number 88? Andrew My Little Pony? Yeah. Manja Pony. Do you still have that collection? No, I sold it for big money. My Little Pony? Big oh, money. Good for you. Kijiji or eBay or how, how'd you do that? I, did, I never had an, I, 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 I never had a My Little Pony collection, but oh. I am fascinated by BronyCon, which is a real thing where <laughs> grown men go and party uh, in a 
My Little Pony theme. Look yeah. it up. Yeah, Look it up. You, you lost me. <laughs> I, I probably lost me. I don't know how we got, went down this road. I apologize for uh, for taking us uh, further down it than you did, Pat. But yep. as far as Andrew Mangiapane is concerned, uh, the puck's following him around again. That's what I like to say about Mangiapane when he's playing well. The puck tends to follow him around. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not happening by accident. It's working because, or it's happening because he's working extremely hard to be in the middle of everything. And I still love the old Glenn Gullitson saying, and he used it more so talking about Matthew Kachuk than any other player. But remember how he used to talk about Kachuk being the fabric of the game? I think Mangiapane, the same thing can be said about him when he's at the top of his game. And, and that's what I'm seeing from him. So it's been great to see because I think with... Uh, Having a career year last year and scoring 35 goals and then getting a big contract in the offseason, Andrew probably put a lot of pressure on himself this season, uh, trying to be a 30-goal guy again. And maybe 35 is the most he'll ever score in this league. But I, I certainly think uh, when he's right, he's going to be a 20-goal guy moving forward. And, and maybe he does get to 30 or more again. But I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. And when the puck wasn't going in the net, that probably led to a little bit of frustration. But he's just got back to work now. And he's working hard to, to get to the hard spots. And when I say that, I mean the middle of the ice and to the front of his opponent's net. He's engaging in battles and he wins more than his fair share for a guy who is uh, below average as far as size is concerned in the NHL. And he's also been playing with some good players. I mean, for uh, quite some time, he was playing on the left side of a line with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. And he's had an opportunity to play top six, top nine minutes with good players, even when the Flames juggle their lines. So for me, it starts with his work. And when he works, the puck tends to follow him around. And when that happens, uh, the puck tends to go in the net. So it's been good to see the Flames needed a bunch of guys to step up down the stretch. And he's been one guy who has. I really like the engagement level there lately. And that comes with the work. You know, I know we've chatted about this in the past. I remember a conversation I had with Brad Treliving in Carolina. It must have been back in November where he said, you need him to be that guy who gets out of a scrum looking through the ear hole of his helmet because it's suddenly on huh. sideways. That, that to me is more of the Andrew Mangiapane we've seen. And then I, I think there's some more confidence a, as a shooter, although you'd like to see him firing some more pucks on net, you know, looking at his last handful, he only had one in Winnipeg. It, it goes in, but you know, you'd like to see more than one, two, two, two looking at these last few. And so, while I, I think the production has been encouraging, while I think the engagement has, has been really important, and while I l like that he's been reunited with Michael Backlund, I do think in these last three, you'd like him to really pepper the net. I felt like since the All-Star break or or even since we, we got into the second half of the season, it's been a much better stretch for Manjapani. Uh, he has looked a little bit more dangerous and more like himself. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, he's just uh, the, the word that you use, Wes, is, is kind of the word that I would use as well. He just looks like a really engaged player, looks like a guy that is is playing with a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, when he plays like that, when he plays like, Willsie, you called him a, an undersized guy or a below average size guy. And when he plays like that, when he plays like 
yeah, I'm small and, and I've been doubted my entire career, that's when he's at his very best. And I've seen a little bit more of that from him. And in the last couple of playoff runs for the Flames, he's been one of their better guys. You take a look back to the Colorado series. You take a look back even to last year, Manjapani's effort and, and what you got from him it hasn't really wavered come playoff time so if they get there what we're seeing from him of late is a, a really good sign I think yeah and I do think that he is playing with a little bit more confidence right now and you know frustration can get in your way and and confidence uh, can can pave the way for you and I do think that he was a frustrated guy for a good chunk of the season but when the puck starts to go in for you and even though I don't think he was playing as well I would also say that I don't think he had as much puck luck or his fair share of puck luck for a good chunk of the season. But when the puck starts to go in for you, you start to feel better about yourself and everything comes easier. But he's worked hard to create chances and he engages in battles and wins more than his fair share of those. I've never seen a player make more plays from his knees than Andrew Mangiapane. You know, he gets in there and battles with a guy, gets knocked down and still finds the a way to make a play from his knees and he's been getting to the front of the net and Wes you mentioned the shots and and I'd like to see more of them as well I think the attempts have been there I don't have the numbers in front of me but uh, he's had a lot of shots blocked at least that's the way it seems to me calling games and you know there have been some other Flames players who have done a good job putting themselves in a position to shoot and have either had shots blocked or have missed the net Uh, Elias Lindholm would be on that list for me so uh, at least they're getting to the right areas now, and Andrew Mangiapane is certainly doing that. And uh, again, the Flames needed a bunch of guys to step up down the stretch to give them a chance to get uh, in the playoffs, or at least uh, to stay in the playoff race, and 88's done that. Just one real quick thing that I had actually, and, and I didn't think of it at first, but he's been a really important part of the penalty kill lately as well. I think he's done really good work shorthanded, and so give him some credit there as well. Thank yep. you, Wilsey. Have a uh, good Easter weekend, even though we'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, happy Easter, everybody. He is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that's your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary airport. Uh, some text, 96960. Uh, Wedley... I suggest that I had a glowworm pog collection uh, as opposed to my little my little pony. I also learned while Derek was bringing up my little pony uh, that BronyCon no longer exists. The last BronyCon was 2019. Uh, it was attended by more than 10,000 people, uh, but that was the last BronyCon, so it no, no longer exists. Update your bucket lists accordingly. I was that was right near the top of my list. Uh, and then this from Tyson. Boys, I think you're right about Calgary needing to be dragged into the fight. Matthew Kachuk used to do that for them in games without Spark. That's the difference this year. I thought Kadri would do that, but doesn't seem to be the case so far. It is a good point that, that Derek makes, and, and I uh, was thinking about this. I think we talked a little bit about it on Thursday's show. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of didn't spark his own team, spark the Flames. And I give Dubois credit. He... He came with a lot of, uh, there, there were lots of drops from Pierre-Luc Dubois. I give him a lot of credit because that's something that's always dogged him is, does he, is, his, is the care level, engagement level where it needs to be at all times? Well, he was engaged and unfortunately for the Jets, didn't bring his team necessarily along for the ride, but kind of sparked the other team brought the flames along for the ride. And then they, they went right after him for the rest of the night and, Kind of 
I think he kind of got demoralized out of the game by the third period, and the Flames, as partially as a result, started to take that game over because, you know, it was him, Morrissey, Lowry, and that was about it from the big names in Winnipeg that you felt like were pissing drops and on Wednesday. Like, where was Wheeler? Shifley was nowhere to be found. It, right. was, it was not a... It was not a great night for some of Winnipeg's big guys, and and I think the Flames deserve some credit for even the guys who did come to play kind of pushing them out of it on Wednesday night. Yeah, and I, I think that sort of filters into the conversation we've been having about the fact that it could bode well for the Flames that tomorrow is going to mean so much to the Vancouver yep. Canucks because when they're in, you know, when they're engaged, when they're a little bit riled up, as long as they're handling it the right way it's better for them that that brings out a better side of this team uh okay time for our friday edition of flames talk best bets can i to you by of course can i just level an accusation quickly please so i know what it means to you to finish over 500 Uh on flames talk best bet each week yeah and i'm just you know i'm just spitballing here so it's good friday and you know russick and rose day off Uh uh-huh Logo, day off. And yet here we are on Flames Talk, and I'm wondering, is this about boosting your best bets record? Could be. Could just, be. Just ask. I can't confirm nor deny that I that, that just a, to I'm work just on a asking just to get my best bets above. Just asking. Can't confirm or deny. Um, speaking of which, best bets for Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Now, if I wanted to give you a Friday best bet, I couldn't lose. I also couldn't win, but I couldn't lose because there's no games on Friday. Undefeated. I would go undefeated. I would also go winless, but I would go undefeated on Friday. Uh, I've got one for you. Lines aren't even updated for Saturday's games as we're talking right now. Uh, Player props and stuff like that aren't in. I've only got one for Saturday, and uh, this is one, whether you're feeling good about it or not, you'd feel dumb if you didn't take it. you got to go Tyler Toffoli over a point. He slays the Canucks. He kills them. Ever since they decided not to bring him back, all he does, whether he's wearing a Habs jersey or a Flames jersey, is put up points against the Canucks. So go Tyler Toffoli, over half a point against the Canucks on Saturday. That's my one best bet. We're 4-4 four and four on the week. We went 1-1 one and one on Thursday. So if that happens, it'll uh, get me above 500 on the week. That's your Flames Talk best bet for Friday and really Saturday. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.